You know, some of you look at that and say, CJ, please keep your day job. (laughs) All right. Well, let's talk about the Bartholomew family just a little bit. All right. Well, um, after seeing this scene, are are there any things that that were right in this? You know, there's there's. We can talk about the bad in a second, but let's talk about was there anything right in this situation? Anybody? Any positives? <laughs> the beginning. Of the, okay, what happened in the beginning? When you first came in from work, you gave her a hug and kiss, told her you loved her. Asked her how her day went and everything, and that was a good thing. Okay. Anything else? Anybody? Any positives? What was that? Couch time. All right. All right. Couch time. All right. What was wrong with this scene? <laughs> what was that? Gertrude. Gertrude was wrong with this scene, right? <laughs> Why was Clara so upset? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And you just ignored it and went and did your own thing. That's right. <laughs> so, so was clarified. Was Clara justified in her her emotions, her reaction? I mean, so like she's justified. Yes. Wasn't she overreacting just a tad bit? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So why was Clara so upset with John, her husband, going out with Gertrude? I mean, what's the big deal? But he was busy. He had plans. Disrespected her. Disrespected her. Okay. What else? Anybody? (laughs) Some minor, minor thing. (laughs) Completely ignore her feelings. She'll get over it. Um, what was, did you, someone have their hand up? Yes, Emily. Hold on, hold on, hold on. John completely destroyed. (laughs) (laughs) Let's stay focused here, people. (laughs) Okay. What is so dangerous about Gertrude? So what's so bad about that? Anything else? Yes, Marty? Huh? Okay. Okay. Okay, so John, he says John was the problem. He was the one allowing the situation to develop. So he was the main problem. Gertrude, just aside. Okay. So, what is John's problem? John's problem, the dude in the skit, not mine. What's John's? What is John's problem? Anybody? 
What was that? <laughs> ah, okay. He forgot to read Proverbs 5, 6, 7. You know, the one about voiding certain kind of women and everything. Okay. What else? What's John, John's problem? He what? It's a listening problem? Okay. You know what's funny about this? I'm seeing fire come out of people's eyes towards me. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> he wasn't guarding his heart with all diligence. Okay. What was that? When being faithful to their marriage. Okay. Okay. Downplaying a dangerous situation, saying it wasn't a big deal. Okay, do you know people like John? Don't start pointing. (laughs) And let me ask you this question. Can John be sincere in thinking that he can maintain both relationships? I mean, hold on now. Don't be so hasty. I mean, can he... Now, we can all, you know, all of us observing can see the situation. You know, object, you know, we can see objectively. But he's in the situation. Can he be sincere in thinking that he can maintain both relationships? Okay. (laughs) He can be sincerely wrong, but he can sincerely, sincerely think that. Teresa? Really? So you knew someone who, so that's a reality then. Wow. So someone, they know someone who sincerely thought it was okay. They had two relationships going, two wives or, or a wife and somebody, however that worked out. Do you think this relationship between, uh, with the Bartholomews is going to last? No. <laughs> Depends on what John does. Okay, they put God first, and then Gertrude second, and then. <laughs> All right. And, and what would your advice be to John? What did somebody say? Run. About <laughs> to get a frying pan upside his head. Okay, what else did somebody say? Repent. Okay, and what does that look like? You know, he can say, oh, God, I repent, and then. What was that? Okay. Repent. Get rid of Gertrude. She's out, right? All right. What was that? Ask for forgiveness. Okay. Any more comments? (laughs) You mean Clara's trust. Clara and John Bartholomew. All right. All right. <laughs> I have to now. Okay, remember last week we talked about um, repentance. We've been talking about the kingdom of heaven and how God wants us to participate. He wants his kingdom to be manifest through us. Remember that? And we talked about some ways that he wants it to manifest. And we talked about the key, the... Um, oh, I just lost that word. Non-optional, the non-optional thing that 
that we must do is repent. Amen. And I want to read a verse, a couple of verses out of here. James chapter 4. It says, verse 4, adulterers, adulterers and adulteresses, do you know, not know that friendship with the world is hatred with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you not think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Actually, we'll read that in a second. We have to understand that our friendship with the world causes us to hate God. And it causes us to hate the things of God. And a lot of times we can read over this verse, friendship with the world. You know, if you're a friend of the world, you hate God. And we can kind of say, okay, I know what that means. And we, kinda, we can kind of glaze over it. But until we realize what it looks like. Our friendship with the world looks like John and Claire's relationship. That's what it looks like. And we see how ugly that is. How at the beginning John was saying, oh, baby, I love you. You're my best friend, all that kind of stuff. He was loving on her, kissy, kissy, all that kind of stuff. And then a few moments later, he's hanging, he has his arms around and kissing another woman. And when we can see a visual of what that looks like, we, it's, it's like the blinders come off. It's like, oh, my goodness, that is horrible. How in the world? And everybody wanted to get up here and take turns smacking on John, right? Smacking him upside the head. But oftentimes in the Bible, God gives imagery of our relationship with him being related to a marriage. And we have to understand, you know, this verse right here, I'm going to back up and verse Chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So he's talking about all these problems. There's some, there's some strife, contention, jealousies, bickering, fighting going on in this, in this church, apparently. And then he hits the... The, the main point, the issue in the matter. He says, you adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So when we say we're Christians and we're wanting to love God, but we have a love relationship with the world, they are directly opposed. And what's going to happen, and here's what happens in the church, is you have people who, who claim and profess allegiance to the king, but they're in bed with the world. And the manifestation of that is fighting, bickering, jealousies, bitterness, resentment, pride, uh, ambition, all these things. And it's manifest. So you have, you have people who, who say, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, just like John was saying to Clara, I love you, I love you. But the reality was he was hanging out with somebody else. And unfortunately, a lot of times we as Christians, we say, God, I love you in our praise and our worship and our and different things. But then we go and hang out with the world and we love on the world. And if we wonder why the church in a lot of places is, is, is anemic and weak, a lot of it has to do with this particular thing right here. And just like I asked, is that relationship with John and Clara going to last? It's like, there's no way. There's no way it's going to last. Unless he repents. 
unless he repents. In, um, what's that? And turn to God. And that's really what repentance means. Because it's not just turning from something, but it's turning to God. And in, uh, got a scripture somewhere. Luke chapter 3. Let's read this real quick. It says, verse 8, it says, therefore, bear fruit worthy of repentance. We know when John started his ministry, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus started his ministry, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then John goes on to say, therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. So then verse 10, so the people asked him, saying, what shall we do then? In other words, it's not one, it's not sufficient just to repent and, and, and say, okay, I repent. God, forgive me, I repent. But John says that true repentance will show with the fruit. In other words, okay, if you're going to repent, it will manifest itself in this way. And in verse 10, he says, so the people asked him, saying, what shall we do? He answered and said to them, he who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. He who has food, let him do likewise. Then tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely, and be content with your wages. So he was showing these people that came to him, they seemed sincere and wanted to repent. So, okay, what does this look like? If I'm going to repent, what does it look like? And that's what they were asking. He was giving them practical Things, this is what it looks like. If you're a tax collector and they were notoriously taking more than they were supposed to from people, they were taking advantage of people, he says, don't take more than what you're supposed to. He didn't tell them to quit being a tax collector. Same thing with the soldiers. What do we do? He didn't say quit being a soldier. He said, you know, don't treat people wrong. You know, do your duty, but do it right with integrity and honor. And, and all, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But repentance is going to look like something. It can't just be lip service. In a situation with John and Claire, as many of you were saying, if he's going to truly repent, then he's going to dump the broad, not Clara, but the other one. And he's going to do everything he can to get things right with his with his wife. Right. The world system. Now, when when the Bible talks about the world. Actually, I'm going to read a verse in Second John chapter 2. Second John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. It says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. You cannot love the world and love God at the same time. You know how they say, well, they don't say, but it's true. Water and oil don't mix. It just won't. It's that, you know, you can dump them together, you can pull them together, but they're going to they're gonna separate. One will sit on top of the other. We can't love the world and love God at the same time. And think we're going to have a successful, effective relationship. The world system is directly opposed to God and his kingdom principles. God's system, God says one thing. He teaches, when we, saw, we look at the example of Jesus, he teaches and models one thing. 
The world teaches and models something totally opposite. And why is that? <clears throat> Let's see. John 16, 11, Concerning judgment because the rule of this world is judged. Ephesians 2, verse 1 through C says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Basically, when the Bible's talking about do not love the world, it's not talking about the earth. Because when the Bible said the word world is used to mean different things. It means the earth, you know, that God created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's about the physical soil. It also talks about people. Because the Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. So loved the world. Now he's talking about the people of the world. He so loved the world, not the physical earth, but he loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. <clears throat> and then it's talking about in first, excuse me, first John chapter two, verse 15, it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. It's talking about the world system. The world system, the world system, this world system is governed by the Antichrist. It is influenced, dominated by the Antichrist. And that's what we see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Is that clear or not? So if Satan is influencing and he dominates this world system, that's why the Bible says, if you love the world, it's hatred towards God. And it's interesting in this skit. I don't know if you caught this one thing, but when uh, Clara was talking about Gertrude, she says, you mean the one who talks bad about me, who hates me and tries to get us to break up, tries to steal you away from me? So this lady hates Clara and she's trying to get Clara's husband away from her towards her. Does that make sense? That's exactly what the world does. The world hates God. The world hates God. The world despises God. And so hopefully we can we can begin to get a better, better or clearer picture of why I can't say I love God and love the world at the same time. <clears throat> you know, like I said earlier, the world system is directly opposed to God and his kingdom principles. For example, God says to give and it shall be given. Give. And he says it's better to give than receive. See, God is all about giving, 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 giving. What does the world teach? Get, 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 get. It's all about getting. And you may hear someone in the world, well, I've heard that they tell you to give. Well, but there's always a motive behind it. Give to get. But in God's economy, we just give. Now, we will get, because that's his economy. So God's system says to give. The world says to get. God says to be the greatest leader, you become the greatest servant. God says to serve, to love people, to honor people, to minister to, to bless. <clears throat> the world says to climb the corporate ladder, stepping on people on the way up, 
you know, lord it over them. We see the example of the world. The bosses, the people who are in charge, they're the kings of their little kingdom. And the example, and that there's exceptions to the rule, there are, there are wonderful leaders that, that do serve, but they're probably living according to biblical principles. But the world system is all about self. It's all about getting ahead. It's all about pushing people down so I can step on them so I can, I can get on top. God says to forgive, to bless, to be good to those who despitefully use you and persecute you. That's, that's hard. God says to forgive, to bless, not just your friends, not the people who are, your, are friendly to you, but those who despitefully use you, those who persecute you, those who say all sorts of evil against you, even on account of Jesus. You're, we're to bless them. We're to love them. We're to speak blessing and do what we can to bless them. That's what God says. The world says get even. The world says it's okay for you to be bitter. You have a right to be bitter. You have a right to not for, What do you mean forgive that person? Are you kidding me? What they did to you, you're going to forgive them? you got to be kidding, right? I mean, the world thinks you're a fool if they see you blessing someone that they know has misused or treated you. They may start calling you all kinds of names and thinking something must be wrong with you. So anyway, the world system is directly opposed to God's system. And when we indulge in the world system or we're flirting with it, what happens is we are being influenced by the principles of this world. And so we say we love God, we're walking with God, but yet my attitude, my heart expresses worldly values. Does that make sense? So what do we need to repent of? We need to repent of our love and our infatuation of the world. We need to see that this is a big deal. And my, my prayer is that we'll see how big of a deal that it is and we'll, we'll remember the image of the, of the skit. That was such an ugly picture. And many of us were getting emotional and, you know, that self-righteous indignation or righteous indignation was rising up. It's like, that is wrong. When you saw what was going on up here, you knew this was wrong. And we have to see the same thing. When we're in bed with the world, it's the same thing. It's the very same thing. Is Claire supposed to forgive and bless Gertrude? If Claire's a Christian. Yeah. Now, does it mean that she condones what Gertrude's doing? You know, she didn't say, oh, Gertrude, it's okay. You can have my husband. <laughs> kind of give you a picture of uh, anybody see um, anybody see fireproof. One of my favorite scenes is when uh, Kurt Cameron, I can't remember his name in the movie, but he goes into the office of the doctor. And he says, uh, you know, he's talking to him and he knows that this man is trying to steal his wife. And I can't remember all that he says, but he says, doctor, he, you know, thank you for fixing my hand. <laughs> it works real good. <laughs> <laughs> now, he was showing his wedding ring and he was letting him know I'm going to fight for my wife. Now, at the same time, his attitude towards him needs to be, you know, now this is hypothetical. This is a fictitious thing. But he needs to have maintained the right attitude towards this person. 
But that doesn't mean he just lays down and let this man steal his wife. You see what I'm saying? It's not going to happen in my situation. So, yeah, to answer your question, Claire, Clara, whatever her name was, would need to forgive Gertrude. But there are some, some practical things that she can do. The issue is our heart. The issue is our heart. And here's what I want to deal with, and, and I thought the Holy Spirit's wanting to focus in on, because now we talk about friendship with the world. Everybody can get all kinds of, well, what does that look like? What does that look like? And then some people can say, oh, you're watching too much TV or watching TV or not watching TV, being on the Internet or not being on the Internet. Listen to this kind of music or that kind of music, dressing a certain way. And I could stand up here and start giving you a list. Here's what it looks like to be in friendship with the world. And I can start giving you this list. Boom, 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 boom. And then you're holding your breath and you go, I'm not on that list. Hallelujah. I'm good. And I might miss you. And I list these things off that I think would make a person have look like they have their friendship with the world. And I don't say what you're dealing with. And then you think you're okay because you weren't on the list. And that's why it's dangerous to throw up some list. And it's not about external conformity, but it's about our heart issue. That's where it begins. Right. But even a bigger picture is between me and the Lord. Because see, dress isn't the issue, but am I submitted to the Lord? Because if I'm submitted to him, then I'm going to say, Lord, how do you want me to dress? But here's where you have to be careful. It's not about my opinion. I love the Lord, but my opinion says I can dress any way I want to. Because see, my motivation is going to be the whole kingdom of God can be wrapped up in two um, commandments. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And love your neighbor as yourself. So my whole motivation is going to be all about him and all about loving, serving, and blessing people. For example, since dress came up, if I have freedom in God and I'm loving God, and I'm okay with dressing a certain way because I have freedom, but then I realize, wait a minute, is my freedom going to cause someone to stumble? If I dress a certain way and it's going to cause a brother or sister to stumble, but I'm free, I can dress any way I want to. Who am I thinking about? Whose kingdom am I, am I manifesting? Is it his? It's my own. So then I'm going to submit myself to a higher principle of love and deference to some other person because I don't want them to stumble. When Lisa and I first got married way back in the day, way back in the day, 20 plus years ago, and um, we were. Uh, before we went on our honeymoon, we just kind of got away from Stillwater. So we were in a, a, a city not too far from here. And we're talking about, hey, you know, it'd be okay to have wine with our steak. We had a steak dinner. We'd be okay to have wine. And we're talking about it. And we came to the conclusion. I didn't particularly see anything wrong with a glass of wine. But we were youth pastors. What if a young person saw me and her drinking a glass of wine? And it was a problem to them. And it caused them to stumble. Is that glass of wine worth that? No. So we deferred and said, we're not going to because. We're thinking about other people. 
And there was a time when we were far away on one of the coasts. And we went out with um, some people for dinner, a real expensive dinner, three, $400 dinner. And then Lisa said, hey, you think it'd be okay to have a, have a glass of wine? I thought, nobody here knows me. I think it's okay. I'm not condoning alcohol, but the, the higher level of love. And see, that's what God's kingdom's about. It's about loving God and loving the people that he died and gave himself for. Does that make sense? And so then my whole life is going to be in submission to the king. And whatever I do, it's going to be, Lord, is this going to honor you or is this going to take away? Is this going to dishonor you? Is this going to help this person? You know, when. But see, if I'm saying I love God, I'm going through the religious rituals and going to church and reading my, you know, going through all the stuff that we can put on a list and say, this is what it looks like if you love God. And I can go through this list. But my attitude is being strongly and heavily influenced by the world. Then it's going to show up in my attitude. It will show up in the way I treat people. And it will show up when I come in a situation of conflict that I disagree with a person. Because what's going to happen is my true motives is going to come to the surface. And then you can see the principles that person's living by. Kingdom or worldly. And so if we're flirting with, dancing with the world, then when things come up that are negative, when persecution comes, when challenges and conflict in the body, because it will, relationships with people will bring conflict. Would you agree with that? And so when that conflict comes, and that's what he's talking about in James chapter 4, verse 1, he's talking about the fighting, the strife, and all that kind of stuff. People were fighting. They're supposed to be the body of Christ, loving one another, honoring God, and they're sitting there fighting and bickering and, and wanting to kill each other and all that kind of stuff. So it showed what their heart motivation was being influenced by. It showed what, was, what principles was governing their, governing their souls. So instead of, because as the Lord put this message on my heart, and I was thinking, okay, we can, um, should it mean more TV, less TV, more movies, less movies, this or that, and all that kind of stuff. And he began to show me, it's my heart. It's the heart issue. If I surrender my heart to him, then he's going to begin to show me these things that he wants out of my life. That's going to be bondage to me, or that's going to cause someone else to stumble, or that's going to dishonor him. And I'm going to be willing to lay it down. You know, I've been amazed when I was a youth pastor and I was amazed at when I would accidentally put my finger on an idol. You know, if I'm preaching, you know, the kids or, or the people are just worshiping God and everything. Then you begin to talk about whether it's music and all of a sudden, what's wrong with my music? It's like, whoa, dude. It's like, wait a minute, I thought you loved God, but yet you're having a, I just mentioned this thing right here, and you're coming undone. The Holy Spirit has a, an effective way of putting his finger on the things that have become idols in our lives, or the things that shouldn't be in there. 
And see, I could stand up here, get you all worked up emotionally and convince you that certain activities are wrong and pound this pulpit and all that kind of stuff. And then you get all worked up and say, yes, I'm going to repent. And you go home and start throwing TVs out of the windows. You know, that, that's happened before. Start doing all this stuff. And then a week later, you think, what in the world was I thinking? (laughs) 56-inch plasma TV. (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) I mean, well, don't have to raise your hand. But how many of you have ever, you know, heard a message or whatever, and it moved you, and and then you repented of that activity? We're not going to watch TV anymore. TV either goes in the, down the tube or it goes wherever. And then two weeks later, you're like, <laughs> I can't believe I did that. Then you pull the TV back out or buy you a new one. And they're even more addicted to the TV than you were before. Now, I don't want you to raise your hands, but if you can relate to that. I've been there, done that. See, there was no real conviction in the heart and repentance inside. It was con- there was conformity to an outward pressure. It's like, oh, man, I've got to quit doing this. I've got to quit doing that. And what we have to do is we have to allow the Holy Spirit to show us. That's why it's important to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's why it's important to spend time with him daily. And cry out to him, God, I love you. You know, search me, try me, see if there's any offensive way in you, in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Lord, show me the junk and the gunk that's in there. The Bible says that our hearts can trick us. I'm paraphrasing. They can deceive us. So we think we can look at ourselves and think we're OK. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to shine his light. You know, he, bing, 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 right there. There's something right there. He says, I want to I want to talk to you about that. I want to deal with that right there. And the reason why the Holy Spirit would point something out to you and say that needs to go because that's going to that's going to cause you to stumble. That's going to bring you into bondage. And then Jesus would say, I died so you can be free from bondages. So why would I want this thing to put you back in bondage that I that I set you free from? Jesus came that we may have life and have it abundantly. The enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. The world system will put you and lead you into bondage. The world system will lead you to death and destruction. Am I exaggerating? So we have to choose. Do I want abundant life? Do I want eternal life? Whatever it looks like. You know, as I shared with you a while back dealing with the, the conflict that, you know, with Tom and Tom Wright and all that thing and then his family and and then the situation where, you know, the, the personal attack and all that kind of stuff and the Lord dealt with me to forgive and to release and to bless and all that kind of thing. And to this day, there's no hook when I think about certain people. As a matter of fact, when I think about when I'm reminded of them, I just release blessing to them. Whoops, sorry about that. You have people in your life that are coming against you. You have situations in your life that are challenging you. And if you're in the middle of a, of a conflict right now, and, and 
right now in your mind, you're thinking of people. You're thinking of names or situations. And you're getting tense. Your blood pressure starting to go up. You know, the anger and all that kind of stuff. Right there you can realize, okay, Lord, we have something to work with. Because you can see what kind of motivations are being revealed. What is your attitude towards that person or those people? Are you intentionally speaking blessing over them? Or are you cursing them? We have a situation that happened recently that's been a challenge. It's like, <laughs> go from one thing to another. It's like, man, I just need a break, just, just a few second break. You know, we lost our car to an accident, the other person's fault. We thought everything was going to be okay because they supposedly had insurance. They don't have insurance. And then I talked to the other person. They said they were going to make it right. They were going to do everything. Well, changed. <laughs> All of a sudden, we're not going to do that. We don't have to do that. We're not going to. And I was on the phone having a heated conversation <laughs> with this person on the way home the other night. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. They're lying. I mean, bold face, bold print letters, lying to me. And I just couldn't believe it. It's like, are you kidding? And then I went home and talking to my wife. And I said, well, here's the latest. And man, I'm a little worked up, just a little bit. And it was interesting because Grant was with me in the van when we were going home, and I was on the conversation on the phone conversation with this person, and I think my voice was the volume was raised just a tad bit, and my volume was raised, and I get off the phone. Well, actually, they hung up on me. You ever talk and you think you're talking to somebody, then you look at your phone and realize I'm talking to myself. You know how when someone tells you something and it's like, I don't want to hear that. Don't preach to me. Get out of my face. That's, that's what you, how you want to react. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit is saying, listen, 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 listen. It was one of those moments. Because the, there was no music playing. And Grant said, hey, Dad, can we, can we turn on some praise or worship? Inside. I don't want to listen to any praise and worship. Who's <laughs> I'll show you some praise and worship music. <laughs> that was the internal struggle that was going on. And it was a raging battle. I mean, it's like we're talking, okay, reality check right here. I was a little perturbed. He said, hey, Dad, can we, you know, put on some. And at first I wanted to say, just leave me alone. No. But through the mouth of babes. Now, Grant's not a baby. But the principle, we can learn from younger people, right? So I popped on the radio, turned to one of the stations, Praise 88 or whatever. Happened to have some good music going. So just begin to worship and pray. Begin to calm down, settle down. Because, see, here's what was, here was what was clashing. World system versus God system. Was I, which one was I going to give in to? I wanted to give in to the world system for a few minutes and repent later. That's what I wanted to do. You know, 
I'm sorry, would you forgive me? So that battle was raging. So I calmed down, go home, talk to my wife about it. I said, we need to pray right now. Because it was starting to build back up again. So we need to pray right now. So we stopped and we prayed. And we began to speak the blessing of God on these people. We began to speak the mercy, the blessing, God. Because I was thinking, I asked Lisa, I said, a hundred years from now, is this car going to make any difference? A hundred years from now, where is that lady going to be? She's either going to be in heaven or hell. Our concern and our focus turned, you know, she needs to go to hell. No, I'm just kidding. But our, our focus turned to eternity. It turned to God's kingdom, his economy. We begin to cry out to God, God, have mercy on these people. Save them. We begin to speak blessing. Now, just like we talked about earlier, would Clara need to forgive that person? Yes, she would, but it doesn't mean Clara lays down and just lets Gertrude have her husband. And so now we're seeking God. God, what do we do in this situation? How do you want to express yourself through this? And right now we're pursuing, we're doing what we can, getting estimates and all that kind of thing. And if for some reason it falls apart, the worst case scenario, we don't get anything. And we have to pay, get another car and pay for all that ourselves. But I'm going to be in heaven someday anyway. That's the bigger picture. Best case scenario or better case scenario, they take care of it. And the best, best scenario, they get saved if they're not already. And we are in their lives for this season to pray for them. And see this as an opportunity. I don't believe God did this. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This situation happened. But all of a sudden I yield to God. God can teach me all through this. He can minister to me. He can build in tr- and my character and everything. And that's what we're trying to let him do. It's not easy. You know what I mean? It's not easy. Would you stand with me? So here's the bottom line. We need to allow the Holy Spirit in our relationship with him. We don't want to reduce our relationship with God to just him dealing with us. He doesn't want it to be reduced to that. He wants it to be a loving relationship, a, a relationship of, of joy and, and just loving him and him loving us. But in that process, he wants to deal with the things that's going to hold us back or trip us up or destroy us. And he says, I want that. Will you give me that? Will you give me that? It may be the TV with some of us. It may be the Internet. It may be how you dress. It may be what you listen to, what you watch. It may be those things. But am I going to get before him on a regular basis? Brothers and sisters, it is a shame when we say, I don't have time to spend time with the Lord. I'm too busy. Right there, if you fall into that, and I have, that shows you which economy you're living under. If I belong to him and I don't have time for him, what in the world am I doing? And it's so vital that we spend time with him so that he can build us up, change us, convict us, conform us, and all that kind of stuff. 
And so my challenge to you and my encouragement to you is get before the Lord this week. And you allow him to show you, say, Lord, show me, where am I in bed with the enemy, with the world? Where am I compromising? And I give you permission to give me the grace to deal with this. And you allow him to show you. And as he shows you, you wrestle or whatever it takes to begin to work those things out so you can be free. Does that make sense? You understand the difference between that and, and giving you a list of what you should and should not do? Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you came to set us free. Jesus.